Hey, it's Kabir, host and producer of Keeping Afloat. If you're enjoying the show so far, feel free to show your support with a small monthly donation. Now, there's absolutely no obligation at all, but it helps to give me the resources to continue producing more episodes. You can support the show by going to anchor.fm forward slash keeping afloat and then clicking on the support button. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you so much. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome to Keeping Afloat, episode 19. I'm Kabir and I'm a cruise director. I'm part of a team of senior officers that work aboard cruise ships, and I oversee all of the entertainment as well as hosting the cruise. From the shows in the main theater to dance classes and parties, I oversee a massive team of incredibly talented people while traveling around the world. And now you get to come with me. This is the story of my life at sea and just trying to keep afloat. Remember to check out my real-life up-to-date Instagram at CruiseDirectorKabir and www.CruiseDirectorKabir.com. Just a quick disclaimer. The views expressed in this show are mine and not that of any brand that I'm associated with. The names of the characters in this story have been changed from their original ones, and certain storylines may have been modified. Working at sea comes with many lessons. And I feel like because I went to sea when I was 20, there were a lot of major life lessons that I acquired around that time. And some of those lessons were delivered more gently than others. I walked onto ships a little bit naive. I was very trusting. And within the first two weeks, I learned that people come from all walks of life. And some will do anything to get ahead especially if they feel threatened. But the vast majority of the lessons that I learned were through the most incredible people in the most amazing places. Sometimes I had to pinch myself. And those lessons continue to this very day. In the last three months or so, I feel like I've learned so much about myself, or at least reminded myself some of the stuff that I already knew. Most importantly, I embraced change. That was much harder to do at the beginning of my career, but now it feels normal. And I was sure to stand up for what was right in the moment. One lesson that I remember very distinctly had to do with punctuality. Because when you live on a ship, if you're not back at a certain time, your house will literally leave without you. And with that, let's cast off. <laughs> time our ship docked in Fort Lauderdale for a turnaround, there would be a crew change. Crew members whose contracts had ended would leave the ship, and a group of new crew members would arrive to replace them. That could be up to 150 crew members from my ship on any given week. So 150 crew members arrive, and another 150 go. And on larger ships, it could be even more. Sometimes, the ship's management would change. It could be a new captain, hotel director, cruise director, staff captain, chief engineer, and in this case, it was the ship's safety officer. The safety officer position is a really senior role. 
They oversee all of the safety equipment, lifeboats, organization of drills, and the compliance with maritime procedures and safety procedures. Now, it's a three and a half stripe officer position and next in line to become staff captain. Usually to become a safety officer, you have to have your master certificate, which basically says you are a qualified captain and you just have to ascend through your company. The safety officer also changes the mood of the ship, mostly because they plan the crew drills. Now, a good safety officer has to know how to play their cards right, be assertive, but also be human. Because a lot of bridge officers would walk around the ship and intimidate crew members during drills, rather than teaching crew and basically giving them the right information. What that does is it creates a really negative culture because it makes crew feel like they're stupid for asking questions and it's not fair. During this crew change, we got a new safety officer, Savros. And like when any senior officer changes, the rumor mill started flying. And the verdict was, Savros was extremely strict. And that meant that the entire culture of the ship was about to shift. As with any turnaround day, a brand new group of guests came aboard. And the ship was operating an 11-day cruise to the Caribbean and South America. The rule of thumb was, the longer the cruise, the older the clientele. So on a four or a five day cruise, you could expect younger couples usually in their early to mid thirties or younger. On cruises like ours, it was late January at this point and the vast majority of guests were over 55. Formal night was on the second night of the cruise. Janet, Javier and I were in the ship's top lounge, mingling during the captain's cocktail. That's usually an invite-only event for past cruisers. This was a part of the job that I didn't like that much because I had to walk around and strike up conversation with people that sometimes didn't want to talk. But what surprised me was when people did want to talk that all they wanted to find out was the gossip amongst the crew. I never knew what I was walking into. Sometimes people wanted to talk, sometimes they didn't. But a major perk of conversation duty, as I affectionately called it, was that I met some interesting people. And that evening, in January, I was making my rounds when I started speaking to a couple from the UK. And it turned out that the husband was a captain for British Airways, and his wife was a flight attendant. Now, since I love airplanes, I was already heavily invested in the conversation. And then we were interrupted by their son, named Zach. The first thing I thought when I saw him was, he looks a lot like a member of the cast. The second thing I thought was, this is the first guest that I've seen that's around my age on this ship. Zach was 5'10", with dirty blonde hair and a lean build. I would associate it with a dancer's build. He had high cheekbones like his mother and his father's nose. We continued our conversation, and Zach mentioned that he was thinking about auditioning to be a dancer on a cruise ship. He had a lot of questions, so I said that I would meet up with him for drinks the following night. And I remember that on the cruise that I had just taken, weeks before I applied to be on board, I had met a member of the entertainment team as well, 
We ended up staying up till 2 a.m. talking about life on board. And in the end, that's what made me choose to take the leap and apply. There was also a little bit of an energy there between Zach and I. But he was a guest, and it was a fine line. And in the end, nothing was worth me losing my job. As I headed back down to my cabin that night, I decided to log into the ship's internet. And that was always a bit of a feat. Crew do get better pricing on internet, and certain senior officers get it for free. But at the time, it was still really expensive for what you got. The biggest problem wasn't the expense, it was the speed, because the slower the speed meant a bigger cost per minute. At this point, I'd not figured out how to get a SIM card for the Caribbean either. That was a lot harder back in 2016. You'd be surprised how far we've come. It had been months since I'd heard from my mentor, Angie. She was a major reason that I got the job, and also a cruise director for the company that I worked for. Once I connected to Wi-Fi, my messages all started coming in at once, since it'd been a few days since I'd checked. And the first message I saw was from Angie, saying, Mario's been rehired. Can you believe it? Just to backtrack, Mario was one of my first managers on my first contract earlier last year, and he made my life really difficult. But in the end, we overcame it and became friends. Anyway, he'd gotten fired months later for being associated with a fight. And my response to Angie was very brief. How, what, and why? Apparently, Mario had filed an appeal to his dismissal and the appeal was done through the cruise director that had been on board at the time. The shoreside HR team overturned the captain's decision and eventually he was fully rehired. I was gobsmacked. Part of me was upset because we didn't get off on the right foot and part of me at that point was not over how rude he was. But another part of me was happy for him. I knew that his wife was pregnant with their second kid and on ships, there's so much gray area and anything can happen. So I was really happy to see that the HR appeal process actually worked. But I was really surprised that it worked, especially in this case. A lot of ship life revolves around safety. There are so many more rules in place than you think. For example, there are limits on how high a crew member's blood alcohol level can be, and exceeding it means losing your job, and that is a zero tolerance across the board in the industry. The reason for that is because every single crew member has an emergency duty, and if anything happens, every crew member needs to be able to perform their emergency duty because lives are at stake. You can understand why rules like that exist because of that. And every week, the ship would conduct a crew emergency drill. And this was different from the main passenger drill. This was a time to simulate a real emergency, right down to using fake smoke and the ship's official fire team. A good safety officer, captain, and staff captain try and put the crew drill in a port that's not really as desirable for crew to get off. And our next crew drill had been scheduled for Aruba, one of the nicest ports on the itinerary. The stricter the safety officer 
and the stricter the captain, the longer the drill. Now, everything began as usual. Announcements by Fernando that the drill was about to start, and then the first phase response. Then it came time for crew to go to muster stations. My muster station was on the lower level of the ship's main dining room, and my job was to relay information between our muster station, muster control, and the rest of the ship. It was a really big position, especially for someone in my role. And I worked with the muster station leader, oftentimes running the muster station myself. As I walked into the restaurant, a deck officer was waiting for me. Usually, if this happens, it means we're about to have every single thing nitpicked and likely get yelled at for a number of things that are very obscure. This time, it was different. This officer just said, Hi, I'm designated to be here to answer any questions that you guys come up with during the drill. He then introduced himself to our entire muster station and said that if anyone had questions, he'd be happy to help. I was astounded. Until this point, drills were very adversarial, militant even. Savros, the new safety officer, even came down halfway throughout the drill, and that was surprising because usually safety officers stay on the bridge to run the drill with the staff captain and the captain, but he came down to say hello to us, and he was a really nice guy. He even pulled me aside and said that he was excited to see what the rest of the entertainment was like on the ship because it was his first time at this particular company. Everything that Savros did and said was the opposite of what I had heard about him. And the lesson I learned that day? Don't listen to what others have to say about someone. Go find out yourself and build that relationship. That evening, I met up with Zach, the guest that I had met at Captain's Cocktails the night before. We decided to meet at the wine bar, and it was so nice to speak to someone that was my own age and that didn't work on board. There was a lot of exchange about cruises we had done and ships that we had both sailed on at different times. Most of the questions that he had were about the major differences between being a crew member and being a guest. When I had to make that transition, let's just say there were some shockers. The cabin was smaller, there was a roommate involved, and nobody on board was going to do me any favors before I built a relationship with them. Zach seemed like he was mentally preparing to come on board and work as part of the cast, almost exactly what I was doing a full year before when I took my cruise. There was a definite energy underneath the conversation though, and that was really hard to ignore. We went for a walk on the ship's open deck at night in the Caribbean. The weather is beautiful and the romantic element definitely started to arrive. You could see every star in the sky. And as we continued talking, almost two hours after I had finished work, it was about midnight at this point, we walked closer and closer together. And just as Zach went to touch my hand, I looked up to see Janet walking toward me with her boyfriend one of the ship's musicians. Good evening, gentlemen. Have a nice walk, she said as she walked past. This was such a fine line. Proximity is everything on board and there's no way to skirt around undetected. Plus, I was being really dumb. If anything happened and I got caught, this could end my career at sea. 
In that moment, I smartened up. I told Zach that as much as this was fun, the reality was it couldn't happen. At least, not while he was a guest. This cruise's itinerary was absolutely stunning. It encompassed parts of South America with the absolute best islands in the Caribbean, including St. Martin, which is where we were docked the following morning. Around 10 o'clock, I went to go and get Janet from her cabin. She lived on the port side and I lived on the starboard side, which was basically in the exact same spot just across the ship. So I walked over and knocked on her door. She answered and told me to come in because she was still getting ready and doing her makeup in the mirror. She said, I saw you with Zach last night. I knew that this was going to come up, so I'm glad that she mentioned it first. I looked at her and I just said, I know, but she put her hand up, looked at me in the eyes and said, darling, I'm all up for adventure. We've all been there, the love boat and all that, but guests are a no-go. Even if somebody else says they suspect something happened and it didn't even happen, you're gone. There's no debate. Janet was right. So I told her that I'd already spoken to Zach about putting the brakes on everything and we'd have to leave it alone for now. But we left that part of the conversation open because apparently Janet had a plan. By the time we had packed up and headed to the gangway, it was about 11 a.m. And crew all aboard wasn't until 3 p.m. since we sailed at 4. I don't know why crew always had to be back on board an hour before we set sail versus guests who had to be back 30 minutes before. And we were at the furthest pier that day, and it was a busy day, seven ships in port in total. It was a long walk to the taxi stand, and we decided to have drinks in the port area. So... By about 12 o'clock or so, we were in the taxi. Airplane Beach is about 45 minutes away, and there's only one road that leads there. And it turned out that on the way down, there was an accident. So by the time we arrived, it was closer to 1.30 p.m., an hour and a half until we had to be back on board. We thought it was safe to stay for about 30 minutes or so, and then decided it was time to head back. A few rum punches later. And in a stroke of poor timing, there were no scheduled flights between 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. for that day. Perfect. So I do need to go back there eventually. We ended up getting back into the same taxi and driving back to the ship. But as we started to move, I noticed that all of the traffic was moving so slowly. And it turned out that the accident on the way down hadn't been cleared yet. And then it spilled on to the other side of the street because it had gotten worse. The taxi pulled up to the port entrance at 3.45 p.m. And it took forever to get back to the ship, longer than Janet and I had thought. Part of me felt that we were in this together and that was a good thing, but it also gave the whole situation validity because I was thinking about how this was going to be explained to the captain and Richard, the hotel director and Fernando, the cruise director. I'd also just like to say, it's beautiful to walk barefoot on a Caribbean beach. It is painful to walk on Caribbean pavement because it's very, very hot. Flip-flops are not fun to run in, so it was 
either run barefoot or trip and fall while you're wearing flip-flops. As we got closer to the ship, the captain sounded the ship's whistle, and it looked like we were the last two people to head aboard. About 200 meters away from the bow, I could see someone's head popping out from the gangway. It was Fernando and his massive hair. As we ran up the gangway out of breath, we were greeted by a somewhat amused but irritated Fernando. Guys, what the heck? I've got the captain, chief security, staff captain calling me. What happened? It doesn't matter. Just go and shower. And Kabir, what happened to your foot? This is just how Fernando usually talks. It's a jumble of thoughts all in one. I looked down and noticed that my heel was bleeding, probably from the friction of the pavement, but because it was so hot, I didn't really feel anything. It's fine, it doesn't hurt, I just said to him. And Fernando told us to both go grab a rest because we had definitely had an adventure. We got off relatively unscathed from that incident. The usual procedure is for them to take our crew IDs away and then we have to go and pick them up from the captain's office after a conversation. In this case, we counted our lucky stars. If you ever get close to missing a ship or missing it entirely, there's a whole song and dance as to what happens. So I actually wanted to take a minute to talk about that. About 30 minutes before departure, which is usually the guest all aboard time, the bridge team prepare for their briefing. Usually any bridge officer on shift is in one area of the bridge with the staff captain and the captain. I'm usually on hand up there because I'm about to do my announcement with the captain as soon as the briefing is done. Plus, because I'm a bit of a ship geek, I like to watch departure. It's just incredible. After the briefing is completed, the captain or the staff captain gets in touch with a guest relations manager or chief purser, depends on the cruise line that you're with as to what the terminology is, but they get in touch with them to find out the overall count. If there's still people that aren't on board, the order is given to try and make contact with them, usually by using the information we have on file. If there's no contact, the captain can decide to wait or to begin the process of contacting the port agent and packing up the cabin in question and getting the passports if we have access. Oftentimes, the guest does arrive, but I've had it a few times where someone doesn't and their bags are basically packed up and they're left at the bottom of the gangway with the port agent. It's then up to the guests to meet the ship the next day. In Europe, that's a really easy thing to do. Flights are frequent and cheap between European cities. In the Caribbean, it's a lot harder. I can count on one hand how many times I've been on a ship and we've left someone behind. On my most recent ship, we had a couple that had been on a rum excursion. Basically, you get on this catamaran, you go snorkeling, and then on the way back to the ship, they give you unlimited rum punch. So you can hear this catamaran coming back full of these very cheerful people and then the 50 or so guests that stumble up the gangway well this couple from my last ship had had a few too many and they ended up having an argument on the gangway by the time we were set to depart they were still yelling at each other on the gangway neither in port or on the ship they were just standing on the gangway and now the entire starboard side of the ship had gotten onto their balconies to watch. Security kept trying to get them on board, 
and we thought that all hope was going to be lost when it looked like the husband was leaving and started heading toward the port gates. The captain was standing next to me, and he said, this has gone through enough. Strike the gangway, sound the whistle, we're sailing. We're now 30 minutes delayed because of these two clowns. So we started pulling away, and sure enough, the husband comes back and falls to his knees and starts crying. The captain was standing next to me, and he just let out the biggest sigh and said, we're only 15 meters off. Cancel the departure, let's go back and get him. So we ended up moving back 15 meters to get this guy back on board. Oftentimes, the captains are gonna do their best to wait as long as they can without having the fuel cost rise too much because we have to go faster to make it to the next port and if that happens, there is an expense attached to it. But wherever they can, they try and make sure that everybody's on board. And it was nice to see that even the captain, the person that you just think of as almost being a robot sometimes, has a heart, and it was really, really nice. The moral of the story, please don't miss the ship. If you listen to episode 18, you would know that I had an incident with the hotel director. Basically, he didn't like that I had hosted an event from the spa without getting permission. And what came of that was finding out that Richard, the hotel director, had an overall dislike for the entertainment department as a whole. Fernando's version of a punishment, quote unquote, was making Janet and I go with him to dinner with Richard. And the restaurant that we picked was our modern eatery on board. The menus were all on iPads, and the goal was for the food to be as unpredictable as possible. They serve these coconut shrimp balls in popcorn boxes, and they had these decadent desserts, and you just couldn't predict how the next course was going to be served. It was a pretty neat concept, and pretty renowned on the cruise forums at the time. It made me really nervous to eat with Richard, because I knew that Richard knew that Janet and I were late to get into the ship earlier that day, furthering his dislike for entertainment. We explained everything to Fernando, especially because he was there at the gangway waiting for us, and he was totally okay with it. He basically said these things happened. As we arrived to the restaurant, Richard was already there, sitting in his officer stripes, four gold stripes on each shoulder, and he was checking his watch. It was 6 p.m., and it was a dark night in the theater. That meant that Fernando had an easier night, and he wasn't stuck to having to go and take the show on and off. So we all sat down, and the first thing Richard said was, I am glad you know how to be punctual, at least some of the time. Sorry about the French accent again, I just had to do it. And I sat in my seat and just started to sink down. While Janet sat up straighter, and she just looked at him and said, there's more than one street that leads to this restaurant. Traffic wasn't an issue. She just grinned and said it, which was kind of ballsy. As we got through dinner, Richard opened up with every glass of wine that he drank. He talked about his kids who were back in France. He talked about his wife. He actually shared some really cool stories about when he started on ships back in the 1980s. Richard was actually a really nice guy once you got to know him. And Fernando was smart. He made that dinner happen in an effort for all of us to humanize each other. He wanted to show Richard that we were people too, 
and for us to see Richard with his guard down. That was a huge lesson. Don't judge the book by its cover, and it's important to be friends with people in the right places. Richard was a very good person to know, especially in a pinch. And like any other officer or person on the ship, he had his story too. And in the end, he was human. The night before the final port of the cruise, the ship held its first crew party since New Year's. Now, it was in the ship's top lounge beginning at 11.30 p.m. And this was a really rare occurrence. It meant having to clear the nightclub of guests, shut it off, and then set everything up for the crew. By putting it in that venue and sacrificing the guest nightclub, that showed that the captain and hotel director really cared about the crew. They'd planned it with Fernando so that it coincided with a theme party that we threw in the atrium. So the nightclub would have been hardly used anyway. By midnight, most people had finished work and the dance floor was filling up. The cruise line covered three glasses of wine and three beers per crew member, which was really, really nice. As I walked onto the dance floor, Janet grabbed me by my shoulder and she told me to follow her into the conference room, which bordered the nightclub. Odd placement, but it works. When I walked in, I saw Zach standing there with a name badge on. Janet turned to me and said, I thought this could be a nice distraction for you. Nobody's going to question anything here. On his name tag, it says that he's a cadet. Janet had a plan up her sleeve all along. I took Zach to get a drink and then eventually to the dance floor because the lights were low and nobody was really going to notice anything. In the middle of dancing to Crazy in Love by Beyonce, one of my favorite tunes, I was surprised to see Richard in the middle of the dance floor. He looked at me, then he looked at Zach up and down, and he gave me a grin and said, it's fine, I noticed, but it's our secret. In the end, Richard turned out to be a really cool guy. Life on a ship is all about building those relationships. From almost missing the ship, to figuring out that everyone has their story, even the senior officers, I learned a lot this past cruise. Fernando, the cruise director, had a brilliant way of teaching something without it making it feel like a lesson. And there was still a ton to learn. This was by far the most interesting ship that I had been on up until this point in my story. But everything was about to change completely because I was about to get a phone call that caused me to rush home. That and so much more next time. Until then, it's all about keeping afloat. I'm Kabir. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you soon.